Praise God. If you, if you have your Bible with you today, or have a Bible on your phone, on your iPad, or written on the back of your hand, <laughs> then go ahead and get it out, open it up, fire it up, find with me the book of John chapter 4. If you don't know where the book of John is, no problemo. Take your time. Find it if you can. If these things are new to you today, if someone drug you to church, what we call that is a drug problem. Uh, and you finally said, I'm going to get them off my back and go with them. Welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here and hope it's not too miserable uh, for you. But we've all been in places where things were new to us, and, and, and if this is, we understand that. And no problem, you don't have to feel out of place, because uh, we only want good things for you. And, uh, and God only wants good things for you, He wants to do amazing things in your life. And so, uh, I've, I've been teaching a series uh, the last few weeks called We Bow Down. Alright, going to continue along those lines. If you missed part one, two, or three... Uh, Get those this afternoon. Next week you'll be ready for part five. All right. And, uh, and we're talking about, well, let's go ahead and read this verse. We've read this a couple times. John chapter 4, 23 and 24. Jesus speaking here says, uh, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, so that's a category, the true worshipers, will worship him in, worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So there is a, a proper and right way to approach God. Uh, that being the case, there would also be an improper way. There would be an untrue, a false, fake, phony worshiper. And we're trying to align ourselves with God's way. If I worship Him His way, I get somewhere. Yeah? And, not only that, if I will worship God and not anything else, and everybody's worshiping something, even though they don't always call it that, but if I will worship God and put Him on the throne of my heart, it helps to get everything else in alignment in life. Everything else will, well, that's the beginning part anyway, that will start to fall in place. Uh, because you get, you know, wrong priorities wrong in life, it can really uh, be a great detriment to us, but we seek to worship Him, and so our, our heart is, and you can see in my title, We Bow Down, obviously we're trying to do it His way, not we stand up, we bow down. In other words, you can see in the very words there, there is a, there is a submission, there is a humility, there is a giving God a right to speak into our lives, to make changes if need be. We're saying, your will, not my will. I'm not demanding my way. I'm submitting to your way. That heart will get you somewhere with God. The contrary, the opposite of that, you'll run into a brick wall. Because no matter how many preferences I have or what I like the best, God's not going to change for me. Because anything in, way, in any way that he would change, he would become less perfect. So I don't want him to change. I don't want him becoming less perfect, less holy, less all-knowing, all less everything. I mean, the very fact that he's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, if he's really all in all, he can't change. 
And any departure, again, would be a lesser position. So I don't really want, you don't really want God to change because he's really pretty good the way he is. Uh, but I do need to make some changes. And that's really what some of this is about. I say I bow down. I'm not saying, Lord, you bow down. I'm saying I bow down. And, of course, one of the words we looked up in the Hebrew uh, for worship literally just means that, to bow down. And so when we worship God, we're yielding ourselves. We're giving, uh, giving way to Him to speak, to move in our lives. I, I was praying in here the other day with our Friday prayer team, um, and one of the things that kept coming up in, within my heart was about simplicity, about keeping it simple. And I won't share all that with you, but when I shared it at the end, there were a few others that resonated, and they had kind of the same thing going on. And so I thought, oh, that's good, that's good. And I forgot about it until last night I started praying again for this service and praying for you, and, and, and all of a sudden that came up again. And at first I thought, junk, that's going to mess my message up. <laughs> that doesn't really fit <laughs> with what I'm saying. Uh, but it kept coming again uh, about keeping things simple. And, and when I look in Scripture, I see that's the case. This is not complicated. This is not complex. Let's say it that way. It's called, He's the boss. I've made a choice to do what He says. That's the end of the discussion. Have a good day. We'll see you next time. <laughs> I, I, but I, I do remember reading uh, uh, an answer to... Uh, from a pastor, pastors the largest church in the world, you know, Dr. Cho in South Korea. The church was at, at one point close to a million people. It's a, uh, whoa. And someone, of course, you get lots of questions when you have a church that big. But someone had asked him about, how did you do this? How did this happen? And his answer was amazingly not complex. He said, I pray. And then I do what God says. No, can you give me like 15 points? I can check them off. I pray and I do what God tells me to do. Now, obviously, there's a lot within that, but you boil it down. That's what our lives are supposed to be about. I've given my life to Him. When I bowed my knee and confessed the Lordship of Jesus, I said, you're the boss now. Anything you say, I'm going with that. That's my commitment to you. And I'm trading that simple commitment, which is just my word for eternal life. Pretty good deal. But we submitted our lives to the Lord. And, uh, you know, a popular verse over in Romans chapter 14 and verse 11, Paul writes, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Every. I read that, I think, man, every knee is going to bow to you? Every tongue is going to confess to God? But some people don't want to do that. Right, and they're going to do it anyway. The question is, are you going to be rewarded for it or not? And when we make the choice right here now in this life to bow our knee, we get an eternal reward. If I'm forced down to my knee, I don't get a blessing for that. I don't get rewarded for that. Amen. And so since every knee is going to bow, what do you say we do it like now and forever? <laughs> and not only in salvation, but continually. Whenever the Lord speaks through His Word by His Spirit to us, we bow to it. We don't stiffen up. We don't say, I don't want to. I'm not receiving. No, we bow to it. We give place to Him. By the way, that's extremely smart. 
Because God's will for you is good. His will for my life, it not only is glorifying to Him, but it's beneficial to me. If I think I want this and I've got, you know, areas of my life that I refuse to submit to Him. I mean, I gave Him my promise, my word, but then I hold on to stuff. You know, kind of like the illustration of going into your house, but you've got certain doors you won't let anybody in. And we understand that, of course, naturally speaking. But in God's uh, uh, approach and His, our relationship with Him, you have to let Him in all the rooms because He already knows what's in there. Right? But we can't have certain parts of our lives that we are keeping out of, out of this equation. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like... Uh, Getting baptized and holding your wallet up. You know what I'm talking about? It's like worshiping the Lord, but I've got this habit over here. I'm not going to submit that to Him. Or something that He might be dealing with us about. And no one knows it but you because it's internal. But you know every time you go before Him, there's that something. And you want to look away from it. No, I just love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. And there's that thing over there. See, we've got to submit it all to Him. Then, then, then it's really worship. Everybody okay? See, I had this picture in my mind even when I was praying for the service about, uh, about someone uh, struggling with cigarettes. And when they worship the Lord, they're still in their pocket. And they needed to be brought up. And that they're, they're want, that their, their freedom is just, it's just a decision away. It's a submission away from saying, Lord, I'm giving this all to you. I, I submit it all to you. I'm giving you my whole life, even this thing that I really like to do. Everybody okay? Got real quiet on that. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm saying we all, have, uh, we all may have things. But the heart, is, the heart of the matter is, is I am not blocking him from any part of my life. And he has the right to speak to me in any area. Now your worship is ready to soar. Hallelujah. True worship then is bowing before the Lord, which is really humility. It's humbling ourselves before him. This is where worship begins. The opposite then, the contrast would be this. Pride is a direct offense to God. It is a, a direct hindrance to truly worshiping Him. Pride is something that must die. <laughs> you remember we defined uh, vain worship one of, the, one of the weeks, and vain, one of the parts of that definition was to do things with self in mind. Worship the Lord, but I'm thinking about me. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that. When I'm truly worshiping God, I'm setting me aside. My will, my desires, my preferences, my ways. It's a humbling act. I said, Lord, you be Lord. You be God of all. And then we get somewhere. It's not the time for demands. It's not the time to exalt our own opinions. It's time to exalt Him. And this is when we can start moving in the right direction. Now, sometimes you'll notice in scriptures, in different writings that there are lists of behaviors. You know, fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh, different descriptions of how one should act or not act. Sometimes that's revealing a little bit to me because I was obviously doing, a, uh, doing some word searches and I do that when I, if I'm thinking about humility. I'm looking up humble, 
you know, humility. I'm looking at the opposite, proud, pride, boasting, that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's interesting when you find a word that you think, yeah, that's probably bad, but we don't have any kind of like, that's really bad. And you look at all the words that are surrounding it. And you wonder if sometimes we give a a little too easy of a dismissal to certain behaviors and we allow them to exist in our hearts when if we really would read those lists, they're right next to some really bad stuff. And maybe we've lightened it. That's no big deal. So I exalt myself. You know, so I think I'm high and lifted up. And well, one of the examples of that is in Romans chapter 1. I'll read this kind of quick. But no, notice some of the words that might jump out at you and some that seem like, oh, that's not, that one's not so bad. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, Paul writes here, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Okay, so here's what he's talking about, doing those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. Now, now usually murder kind of jumps out at us. It's like, that's a bad one. Yeah, that's a really bad one right there. I just want you to know, he didn't identify that as being the worst of everything in this list. It's just kind of in the list. So maybe we should give some of these other characteristics, these behaviors, a little more weight since murder's next to them. Yeah, uh, let's see. Full of envy, murder, strife. Right there, right next to murder. The arguing person. The one who always wants to start a fight. You're right next to murder. (laughs) Well, at least I never killed anyone. Yeah, but you start an argument wherever you go. All right, just food for thought, just here to lift you up and build you up here today. <laughs> Help you to see things clearly. Uh, it goes on to say deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Oh, that's a big one again. You don't want to hate God. That's a bad one. Violent. Look at the next one. Proud. Proud. Pride is right there in the middle of all these wicked behaviors. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Parents, you should use this message, by the way. It's right there in the murder list. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. And so we get this big list. I want to zero in. Obviously, we could have a lot of discussions here, but, but the proud person is right in there. Proud. Why do I want to talk about that? Because I see it as the opposite of worship. It's the opposite of bowing down. It's the standing up. It's the my way instead of God's way. And, and, and when I, I looked up the word, you know, in, in various... Uh, Greek words and Hebrew words, without giving you all the details, let me just give you some of the descriptions of what this is. Um, Appearing above others, haughty. Uh, From the Hebrew, arrogancy, pomp, pride, proud, swelling. We think of that, someone's swollen, puffed up in pride. Yeah, one of the Greek words uses this, this language, to envelop with smoke. 
That's a strange word. Well, it kind of gives you a, a little reveal of what it means when someone is in pride. Is they're fake. They're putting up a, a, a phony front. They, they, are, they are hiding who they really are. They want to present themselves as something more than they really are or more than they really ought to. It's, it's a bunch of phony baloney. To inflate, self-conceit, high-minded... Uh, another word uses th this word in the definition, braggadocio. Braggadocio. Do you like to brag? You know, a braggart. Well, that would be considered a proud person. What's the proud person not doing? Worshiping God. They are exalting themselves. They are making themselves more than they are. This proud person often thinks of themselves as being superior to others. They know more. They see things more clearly. They just have a better perspective. They're more capable than others. Their view of themselves and how they conduct themselves is self-elevating. It's about me. And that stinks in the nostrils of God. And it's a hindrance to what He really wants to do in our lives. Uh, turn over with me, if you would, to the book of First uh, Peter. It's a right turn if you're over there in John. 1 Peter chapter 5. And, and, and notice some of the language used here. I want us to get a picture of, of how really wrong this is, lest we just give it a pass. Because every one of us have to deal with this, by the way. Every one of us. If we don't humble ourselves, we will exalt ourselves. And then we are not going to get very far with the Lord. And we want, I want your best, Lord. I want your plan. I want to worship you. I love the Lord. No, you don't. You love what you want. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like when the person, a person says, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not throwing, anyone, throwing stones at anyone here. Someone says, I, wanna, I just really want to get in shape. I just really want to lose weight. No, you don't. You want cheeseburgers. And pizza and ice cream. Come on, let's be real. We say, I just love the Lord. Do you? Listen, I understand. Because I, I, I want to lose weight and have cheeseburgers and ice cream. <laughs> and I just got to get them in the right balance. <laughs> to want to lose weight a little bit more, then I'll be okay. All right. First right. Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 reads... Uh, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. How many like that verse? More and more the older you get. <laughs> yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with, what's the word? Humility. For God, this is the reason, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That is a strong statement. For anyone who truly desires to have a relationship with God, I think we need to know this, that God resists the proud. If I'm trying to draw near to Him with a proud heart, I will find very little success in my approach. I, if I have a proud heart, I will be resisted by God. Interesting. But he does what? He gives 
grace to the humble. Verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He, or so that, He may exalt you in due time. Now watch, see what's the word of the Lord? What's the will of God? He wants to exalt us. He wants to lift us, make us better, give us promotion, advance us in life. That's what His will is. But He needs cooperation. What's the cooperation? I stop promoting myself. I stop exalting myself. I stop, you know, trying to get people to be impressed with me. And I humble myself and say, Lord, your way. Yeah? When I do it, and when I properly submit and humble myself, or I could say, bow to Him, then He lifts me. Then He exalts me. Then my life is promoted. I'm advanced. I'm given more. But not until then. Amen, amen. What this should do is make us say, Pastor, can we get rid of these chairs for a minute? <laughs> I just need to get on my knees. That's the right heart. That's the heart that we need to have before God. You know, in Proverbs it's written that God hates six things. And the, and the, seven, the seventh one said are an abomination to Him. There's a little list there in Proverbs chapter 6. You know the first one on the list is? A proud look. What does he absolutely despise? What does, he, what does God hate? The proud look. If that's really his heart and, and what he feels about pride, I ought to be running from that as much as possible. If there's anything in my life I want to get straightened out, fixed, adjusted, it should be I want to get the stinking pride out of me. Everybody okay? Because if you can identify it in your own life, that's a good day. Even though it's ugly. You know, it's like, in the, especially in the old days, you know, when you go to get, get your picture taken. You know, at a photographer in the old days before digital photography. And you bring all the family, you get everyone in there, and everyone's dressed up and got their hair fixed and getting your Christmas photo or something like that. And you all take the picture, and then you get them back later. You go, oh... That's bad. See, that's, that really is a bad day. At least now they can, you know, give a quick look and they can redo them digitally. <laughs> but back then, it's a bad day. When, when it comes to identifying pride in your life, it's ugly. It's like, ugh. But here's the good news. If I can see it, I can, I can get it out. I can bow my knee in that area. I can submit. I can humble myself and let God work in me and exalt me. Amen, amen. People today, I think there's a problem in this area, really is, that all of us have to deal with. Uh, people today have lost sight of the wickedness of pride. Some are even proud of their pride. And they throw it around all day long, all how they're so proud of everything. People will throw parades for themselves and all kinds of things. And it's all about, look at me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Quit. Humble yourself and let God promote you. Let God exalt you. Everybody okay? See, a lot of that is rooted in selfishness. It's rooted in rebellion. You can see how works-based religions, which is really all of them, works-based religions are rooted in pride. Because it's not 
I'm so thankful for what you did for me. You gave me a gift. You had mercy on my soul. So thankful. It's, I did it. I made it. Right? I finished the list. I accomplished the task. You know what? I don't know everything about heaven. But here's what I don't believe is going to be happening. When when I arrive to heaven, when you arrive, arrive at heaven, that there's going to be a big crowd of people there cheering for me. You did it! Way to go! Now, I think there will be a welcoming party. And it will be, thank God for His mercy and grace. And welcoming, loving, receiving, showering, all this. Upon. But not you did it, but... He did it. The only good job you and I get is we said yes and we didn't. We accepted the Lord. We believed in Him. But it's not about... That's why in, a, in the religious world, everything's works-based. You did it. You accomplished it. Or you didn't. You fail and you're out. Um, you can see even in the whole, in the whole theory of evolution... It's, it's a little bit based in self-exaltation. Look what mankind did for themselves. Pulling themselves up out of the water. Growing legs. <laughs> climbing a tree. Amen. And eventually putting a suit on. And said, look at me, look at we, what, what we've done. It's a little bit based in humanity. Our efforts, as opposed to, it's a gift from God that I breathe. It's a gift from God, who I am and what I have. And if we humble ourselves, now we're getting somewhere. Because at the end of the day, if I did it, I'm proud. But if He did it, I'm thankful. And the more I can, more I can direct or redirect all my attention from anything accomplished back to His grace, the further I'm going to get, the more I'll be promoted, the more I'll be exalted in life. Amen. Turn with me if you would. Let me show you one more thing. I've used up way too much of my time. but We'll have another week. Uh, Matthew chapter 15. I want to show you this one more uh, story of a woman who would not be exactly considered a woman that you would follow, except for in this case. Uh, in Matthew chapter 15, I want you to notice with me in verse 21, it's, it reads, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon were not exactly known for the greatest people. You read in the Old Covenant, all, many of the prophets had negative prophecies towards that, that area because of the wickedness that was happening there. All right? But Jesus is going there, grace and mercy. And uh, in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So you can't blame the woman in that regard. Her daughter is all messed up uh, with this demon. We could go further there, but I'll, for time's sake, keep going. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. How many know answering not a word is a, another way to say he ignored her? What do you do when the preacher ignores you? 
<laughs> and this is Jesus. Say, well, if it were Jesus, well, this is Jesus. He did what? Ignored her. Got the nerve. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. So Jesus ignores her, and Jesus' staff uh, makes a petition to get rid of her. Get this woman out of here. She's annoying. Yeah? Is she being received? Is she being welcomed? No. She's being pushed aside. Would that annoy you? Would that offend you? Would you throw down your Bible and say, I don't need to deal with this. These people, I mean, they preach love. But look how they just treated me. She could have done that and went back home to her demon-possessed daughter. Hallelujah. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I'm not even here for you, woman. I've got another, I'm here for, I was sent here to Israel. What are you doing? Is she mad now? Would you be mad now? What, you're not even here for a, oh, okay, you're just, oh, you're just for certain people. But not my kind. Not my type of people. Verse 25, then she came and worshipped him. No, she didn't fight back. No, she didn't get ticked off. No, she wasn't, didn't harden her heart and become offended. She got on her knees. And she worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, all right, let's go ahead and do this then. No, no, not yet. She's worshipping. He said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. It's not getting any better for her, is it? <laughs> and that's the way they, they referred to these people as little dogs. And she said, no, that wouldn't be right for me to give this to you. Now she's fed up, right? Now she's yelling at him, calling him a racist, calling him everything else under that she can think of. And went home to her demon-possessed daughter. No, she didn't do that. Verse 27, and she said, yes, Lord. What? Yes, Lord. So when someone calls you a little dog, do you say, yeah? Or do you say, how dare you speak to me that way? Who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? It's called the difference between humility and pride. Yes, Lord. Even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. It is this woman's tender, submissive, humble heart that got her daughter set free and her story in the book. Say, did everyone do that? I don't know what stories we don't have. I don't know about the person who got offended. May they, maybe, well, we do know in Jesus' hometown they got offended and they didn't get healed. But we don't, but how many stories were there of people who said, how dare you? Preacher, you, preacher, you speak to me this way? And they don't get what they desire. But those who humble themselves, oh, I tell you, 
that get somewhere with God. Great faith is directly connected to great humility. I remember, uh, uh, you know, you guys know Keith Moore. Uh, he was here last year, tremendous minister. And uh, years ago, when uh, uh, he used to work for for Brother Hagen, and he sometimes when Brother Hagen would minister in these very large, you know, thousands of people camp meetings and different things, uh, he would often use Keith. Uh, Brother Keith was a you know, he was a teacher and had a ministry himself, but he would be used in music. And sometimes at the end of meetings, he would look over and say, Brother Keith, you have something? He'd come up and prophesy or sing on the key, you know, play and sing and have words and songs from the Lord and different things like that. But we, I always noticed, I always noticed this, and others did, that whenever he would call on him, uh, he would get up from his seat wherever he was, and he wouldn't just kind of casually stroll up there. He would kind of jog. He would kind of He would kind of run. And, and jump up there to do whatever he was going to do. And of course, when you do that, people kind of notice. And, and at one point, he was sharing the story and explaining why he does that. And, and what he said was, he said, one time previously, he called me up like that. And I got up and kind of strolled up there and maybe took a little bit too long getting up there. He said, right in the middle of it, he said, Brother Hagen spoke up and said, well, if it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't even have called on you. <laughs> and see, here's what happens. There's, this is where you separate the promoted from the demoted. Do you know what he did? Well, look what he didn't do. What are you doing talking to me like that? How dare you? I mean, don't you have any respect for me? I serve you. I teach here and teach in the school and do all these things. No. No. He changed. He said, no. And I'm going to... And from that point on, he was always running. <laughs> Why? Because he told him that. And you see how God promoted him? Boop, boop, boop. And still, now has a worldwide ministry and God uses him tremendously. But in part, you know what it is? It's humility. It's someone who's going to say, all right, yes, Lord, I'm a dog, <laughs> but I only need a crumb, and the crumb will get my daughter set free. I just have a crumb, and then she got elevated. I said, woman, you're a woman of great faith, and she's promoted in our eyes even, this, even to this day because of how she responded to this very natural situation. Amen. Can I just encourage you this in, in closing today? Don't separate your relationship with God from your relationship with people. Oh, I'm totally submitted to the Lord. Yeah, but how do you deal with people? When's the last time you said, I'm sorry? When's the last time you said, you know what, you're right, I was wrong? Well, it's been six or seven years. <laughs> Likely, probably we need to say it more often than that. We need to acknowledge, and in that is revealed a, a yielded spirit, a humble heart. And if we'll be that way with the Lord, listen, if we'll be that way with people, we'll be that way with the Lord. If we're separating the two, we're a fake. I, we're either a fake with people, we're a fake when we're worshiping the Lord. Amen. And so, self-check, what do you say? 
if there's any infection in there, if you're getting a, you know, if you cut yourself, whatever, you know, they want to get the infection out. Why? Because it'll be a problem later. If our souls, if our hearts are infected in any way with this kind of pride, the moment we see it, get it out. Say, oh, I see that, that ugly thing. Ugh. Lord, I'm submitting that to you. I bow my knee. I'm bringing this up to you. I'm getting rid of it. Get it out of me. I don't want it in my life. I humble myself before your mighty hand. And whatever he says, we do it. Amen.